Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday, October 29th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. i uh, got a pretty good show for everyone today lined up here. I'll be previewing tonight's Bellator 250 card. That's right, tonight, Thursday nights. So that's from Bellator is now. So I'll be previewing that entire card. Should be an awesome card. The Saucy Lima main event should be incredible. I can't wait for it. Uh, UFC Vegas 12 takes place Saturday. There's some updates to that card, including one fight that was scratched. Luckily, we do have a replacement fight, but definitely want to talk about that. There's some news. There's some fight announcements. There's a lot to talk about. So I'm going to get right into all of that right now. So let's start with Bellator 250 and I'm going to open up a second screen here so you guys can see the entire card. I'm going to use the odds, obviously, from Best Fight Odds. So let's share the screen here. It should be good. Let's see here. There we go. Okay, so it works perfectly. Okay, so let's, let's go to Bellator 250, guys. I'm going to start with the bottom here at Tapology and work my way up, as I always do. So, again, the odds, bestfightodds.com. We have full slate odds for this card. I should mention the fight between Toby Misek and Jared Scoggins was canceled due to uh, weight cutting issues. So that fight was scratched at the last minute, but we do have a bunch of other fights with odds. So it's a lot to talk about today. All right, I'm going to start with this fight here. Kobe Law against Orlando Ortega. That's the opening fight on the card at 145 pounds. Both guys, amateur fighters, making their pro debuts here. So two guys with 0-0 records. And according to the odds right now, we have Kobe Law, minus 295, and... Orlando Ortega plus 235. So, I mean, I don't really see how you can even bet on this fight, guys. It's a 0-0 fighter against a 0-0 fighter. Like, that's that's a classic pass. I don't see any way you can. I mean, I guess they're looking at the amateur records when they did the odds. 5-0 for this guy, Kobe Law, 25-year-old fighter from Pennsylvania. Looking at his amateur record, five five wins, three by, uh, by stoppage, two by submission. Fighting for Pinnacle, I've seen a few other... Promotions including Cupid's Knockout. I love these like small little promotions and names. Look at this one, Cupid's Knockout. That's an awesome image. Look at that. That's sweet. But again, the fact he's fighting for this promotion, this guy hasn't had any big show experience really besides Pinnacle, which is, I guess, a decent promotion out there in Pennsylvania. You look at his opponent here, Orlando Ortega, three and three as an amateur. And again, this must be what people are basing their bets on, I guess. An amateur record doesn't seem like a great idea. Ortega... Uh, doesn't have an age listed here. New York fighter, looking at his record. Uh, again, all amateur fights. The promotions he's fighting for. Jack, here, there's another one. Jack Hammer Promotions. I love these these names of these little uh, promotions here in regional scene in New York. Uh, again, this is a total pass. You have no information about either fighter here. Maybe you can find some tape on the guys. But again, they've only fought amateur fights. Who knows how they're going to show up as a pro. Don't bet on this fight, guys, seriously. Uh, looking at the opening odds for that fight. It opened as a pick of minus 115 each, which makes so much sense. I have no idea why it's minus 295 law. Again, people are looking at the topology amateur record. That's not a great way to break down a fight, in my opinion. So, again, I'm completely passing on this one. Next up, according to topology, we have Adam Boric against Eric Sanchez in a catchweight bout 150 pounds. This is a good fight here. This is a very good fight. I'm a big fan of Adam Boric here. Not just because we share the same name. I think the guy's a really good fighter. Right now, Adam Boric, minus 520, and Eric Sanchez, plus 380. So no surprise here. Adam Boric, you look at his record, 15-1, Hungarian fighter, 27 years old, and they call him the kid. The guy is a really good fighter. He does have the loss to Caldwell. Obviously, we saw that fight happen uh, earlier this year, actually, in the tournament. But since then, bounced back with a nice win here over Hamill. It's a split decision, but still, he got his uh, hand raised. 
he was a big favorite there and, and did barely scrape by, but he did win the fight. And, you know, I think coming off that loss or recall, I think his, his confidence was a little hurt. But you look at his earlier uh, run in Bellator, I mean, he had some nice wins here. Uh, four straight wins, five straight wins by stoppage, actually, including a really nice win over Aaron Pico by knockout, which was a big upset. And then uh, Pat Curran, former Bellator featherweight champion, he knocked him out too. Overall, I'm very impressed by this guy. I mean, you look what he's did in MMA, a lot of finishes. And since coming to Bellator, he is... Six and one with five finishes. I think that's pretty good. I mean, this guy is definitely a solid fighter. So, yeah, the, the odds suck at minus 520, but he should win this fight. And then you look at Sanchez, just to be fair, we'll take a look at the other side here. Nine and five record. Uh, Team Alphamel guy, 30 years old. Don't know a ton about him. He's coming off a loss in Kabachi. If you look at his record, he's fought a few notable fighters like Julian Arosa. He got finished by him a couple years ago. That's not a great sign. Um, he has fought in Bellator previously uh, once. He also fought in WSOF. Overall, I mean, he hasn't really fought a great level of competition, although he has fought in a couple big organizations like WSF and Belter. But overall, I think the, the level of competition is low. The only real notable fighter he fought was Arosa and got knocked out by him. Uh, all signs are pointing to an Adam Borch win. Uh, again, don't love the odds, but he should win this fight. It opened a little bit lower, I believe. It opened at minus 185. Yeah, a lot lower. So the action has been steaming, obviously, on Borch here. He should win the fight. I don't love minus 520. Is Bellator, though, majority of favorites do usually win. So I would expect him to win. I just, you know, with the minus 520, you got to be careful. If it was minus 185, that was an absolute no-brainer. Anyone who got a full bet on that before they uh, changed the line there, that was a really good bet, I think. He should win the fight, and that's much better value than minus 500. All right, next up, we'll go to the next fight here. It is a middleweight ball between Taylor Johnson and Johnny Eblen. This is an interesting fight, guys. I'm very intrigued by this fight. Taylor Johnson coming off a win over Ed Ruth recently. So right now, the odds, minus 125 Taylor Johnson, Johnny Eblen, minus 105. So super close. Look at Taylor Johnson, 6-1. and one, They call him Tombstone. 29 years old, American guy. He had this fight on contender series where he lost, but bounced back really nice with this win over Ed Ruth. And that was a surprising win. That was last month. So uh, short turnaround here, but coming off that nice win over Ruth, he's a lot of momentum coming in this fight. So I think that's a really good win. And you look at what he did before the fight of the Terry series against Muniz, who looks like a pretty good fighter himself. I mean, that's not a bad loss by any means. If you look at what he's did, he had uh, five knockouts, then he loses by submission and comes back with a heel hook. So it's nice to see the guy bounce back from that. The loss to Muniz does bother me still. Obviously, I think it caps his kind of potential a little bit, shows where he's at. But the fact he was able to beat Ed Ruth that impressively, I think that showed a lot. To be fair, it wasn't middleweight. Um, and Ruth is typically a welterweight, but still, I mean, that's the heel hook a wrestler like that is very impressive, in my opinion. So, pretty high in the guy. He looked pretty good in that fight. And you go look at Johnny Eblen here, 6 0, soldier boy, they call him, 28 years old, American top team fighter. Um, again, 6 0, so never lost before. He was a Shamrock guy, came to Bellator, he's won three straight fights. Level competition is not great. Uh, Chauncey Foxworth's kind of a notable fighter, I guess. Mauricio Alonso, somewhat notable. I think this is the guy who knocked out Koscheck a few years ago. Yep, it was. So, he made his return. Uh, to MMA two years later and lost to this guy. So overall, I think this guy is a decent prospect, but I still have to go uh, with with Taylor Johnson here based on the experience, based on the fight with Ruth in his last fight. He just fought better competition. He's fought in bigger shows. I do believe Taylor Johnson wins this fight, but Eblen's definitely a good prospect. Um, it's it's one of those fights where it probably can go either way. That's why the line is so close. My lean is towards Johnson, but it's definitely a bit risky considering you're betting against an undefeated guy in Eblen who's looked pretty good in Bellator so far. Next up, we have a, a really fun fight at lightweight between Nick Newell and Zach Zane. So this should be a good fight. Two former contender series guys as well. And right now we have Nick Newell, minus 180, Zach Zane, plus 150. Nick Newell, obviously an inspiration. Uh, the one-armed fighter, the one uh, the one-armed bandit. 
I, you got to love Nick Newell. He is a little bit older now. He's 34 years old. So he's been around the game for a while. I mean, he was in WS and went for years. Um, and obviously he's in Bellator now. And again, you know, 16-3 record. What the guys did with one arm is is amazing. Or I should say one hand. He does have half of his arm. Um, but what he's did in his career is absolutely incredible. I and mean, he really is an inspiration to uh, to everyone, I, I think, that follows MMA. Um, you look at his record in WSOF, it was it was pretty impressive. Even XFC before that, Cage Titans. I mean, he fought a good level of competition. Uh, WSOF, he was good. LFA, he looked good. Goes to contenders. He's loose to Munoz, which was a tough fight. Also lost to Gaethje in WSOF. I mean, that's a tough fight. So those two losses are, are not bad. He, uh, he gets the win over Browning, which was a nice win for him against the guy who's upset a lot of prospects and Corey Browning. Then he loses to Manny Murrow, and that's a fight that a lot of people thought he should have won. So coming off that loss, uh, also a year-long layoff. He hasn't fought in, in one year in three days, so that is a little bit worrisome. Look at Zach Zane here, 14-9 record, uh, Hawaiian-based fighter, 30 years old, Black House fighter, another guy who's on Contender Series. He lost to Justin Gonzalez last year. Gonzalez is a really good fighter. I believe he actually signed with Belter uh, recently. He should have went to the UFC. But he is a really good fighter. And overall, Zach Zane, uh, he has, you know, a decent amount of experience. He's been fighting for a while. And a lot of the fights, obviously, uh, taking place in Hawaii and then Alaska FC. So the, the events are not great. Uh, X1 is a decent event. Uh, Brave is a decent event, I guess. Coming off the win in, in Bellator and his Bellator debut, Zach Zane is. But, uh, again, long layoff for him. I mean, overall, I do favor Nick Newell in this fight. But Nick Newell is a tough guy to bet on. He, he is. He is a tough guy to bet on, especially when he fights a guy who's, who's better than uh, like a low-level fighter, so this is a this is a competitive fight, guys. I, I do favor Newell though, just because of that grappling. Um, and and Zane's been submitted five times in his career, five times. So Newell gets this fight to the ground. He he can get submission in this fight. Maybe you look for that prop. Um, overall, I do like Nick Newell in this fight. I just don't think he can go crazy just because of his of his handicap. Quite frankly, uh, it makes it difficult to bet against really good fighters. And I'm not saying Zane's great by any means, but he's decent. So. This is a fight that probably can go either way, but my lean has to be toward Newell. More experience against higher-level competition, and that submission game, it should be pretty lethal in this fight. All right, next up, we have Bobby Volker against Sabah Homasi at 170. So right now, we have the odds at Homasi, minus 335, Volker, plus 255. The odds actually dropped yesterday at a pick minus 130 for Homasi and Bobby Volker, plus 100. I would have been all over Homasi in that fight. I do like him in the women's fight. Uh, Sabah Homasi, look at his record. Quickly, 14 and 8 record. Um, it's not a great record by any means. And he looked terrible in the UFC. He lost three straight fights. He got knocked out by means. This first fight with uh, Abdul Razak al Azar was controversy. The second time he got knocked out again. There were exciting fights, though. I'm a little surprised they, they caught him after that fight. They could have given him one more. I mean, he did get KO'd, I guess, in three straight fights, but still, he's a pretty exciting guy. Uh, since then, won three straight fights, including two straight in Bellator over Micah Terrell and Curtis Milner's last fight is a big underdog. And the Curtis Milner fight, I think, really showed that. Sabah Hamasi is making improvements to the game. He's not just a striker now. He's not just going in there to take your head off and get knocked out himself. He's going in there to wrestle to be smart. And I like that performance there. Uh, Curtis Milner is a guy that I thought was really good at one time in the UFC. We know now his wrestling is not good at all. He's just a striker. He probably should go in glory once they come back. But it's still a nice win on your resume. And you look at his opponent here, Bobby Volker. Bobby Volker is a very experienced guy. He's been around forever. Strike Force UFC. He's been around forever. Um, 33 and 13 record. But there's a few things to stand out here. First off, 41 years old, so that's a, he's getting up there in age, we'll say that. To be fair, no, I mean, he's looked good lately, four straight wins, but he hasn't fought in a year and a half since April 2019. That's a long time ago. I think that was like when Calvin Gaston and Israel Adesanya fought. Like, it was a long time ago. So he hasn't fought in a while, and it definitely worries me coming here off that long layoff. But overall, I mean, he's, he's won nine of his last 10 fights, so 
you got to give him credit. This is a guy that was left for dead after the UFC. You look at what he did in the UFC. It was not a good run. He got KO'd a couple times. Or he got KO'd once, but he lost a few decisions. Um, this fight with Patrick Cote, he probably should have won that fight. It was at that fight in Montreal. He probably should have won that, but still gets KO'd by Lawler and then loses to McCary on Benoist, two, two guys that are no longer with the UFC. So overall, I think this is a guy that, you know, throughout his career, he's fought a high-level competition, I think, but at age 41, you cannot bet on Bobby Volker. I like Sabahumasi. I would have loved him at minus 130. I think that was an incredible line. If you got him at that, you know, I think that's a really good, really good value. And you can always arm out now if you wanted to on Volker, just throw a few bucks to just a hedge. But overall, I really like uh, Hamasi to win this fight. Just the age difference, um, more activity lately. I think he grinds it out. I think he probably grinds this fight out. Uh, Volker, again, very, very durable. He's only knockout loss in his career uh, coming against Robbie Lawler. So very durable guy, but I do expect his opponent to come victorious here as Sabah Hamasi probably edges out a decision here against a very durable Bobby Volker. All right, next up we have a middleweight ball between Ty Gorder and Dalton Rosta. And right now we have uh, Rosta minus 155, Gorder plus 125. So pretty competitive odds. And actually Gorder opened as a small favorite. So the line has flipped. Again, the fights are tonight. So expect some more line movement. And looking at these guys, we'll talk about Rosta first here. 3-0, call him Hercules. I mean, look at the guy. He's definitely uh, a beast. 24 years old, so pretty young, 6-0. I mean, that's a nice, uh, excuse me, 3-0 as a pro. He's six feet tall, should say. Um, you look at his three wins of Bellator, all three by stoppage, one by dock stoppage, one by knee injury, one by ground and pound. But overall, I mean, this is a guy with a, a good pedigree. And you look at his what he did in um, amateur, it was impressive too. Six straight wins by knockout. And again, I love these amateur names. Look at this one, Justified Defiance, Yankee Lane Ballroom. This is great, man. St. Lucie's Fight Night, Rivers Rumble. I love these old uh, little small promotions and their names. But yeah, as far as Rosta goes, 3-0, 24 years old. I've heard good things about this guy. And then you talk about Gorder here, five and one. They call him the Savage. Six, 26 years old. He's an extreme couture guy. Look at his record, um, five and one. He had the one loss to career in uh, Bellator, then bounced back with a knockout loss in his last fight, just a few weeks ago, actually. It was last month against George Tacos. So he had a, a recent fight. And look at his fights in LFA. I mean, he, he didn't fight the greatest competition, but he fought on pretty good cards here, you know. So overall, um, I think the odds makers probably got it right by opening Gorder as the favorite, to be honest with you. He's got a little bit more experience, and uh, I do think he should be favored here. I mean, it's a close fight and go either way, but, you know, if you had got Gorder or uh, if you had got um, Rosta as a dog and now you can get Gorder as a dog, that's free money. So, I mean, congrats if you did that. That would have been smart. But overall, I, I do favor the dog here a little bit in Gorder just because of a little bit more experience, but... Definitely a competitive fight again. I mean, we don't know a ton about these guys. They don't have a lot of fights in Bellator or in high-level MMA in general. But my lean would actually be towards the dog in Gorder who opened as the favorite. All right, getting to the last prelim here. And this is a fight that a lot of people are excited about. We got Jake Hager against Brandon Carlton. Jake Hager, former WWE wrestler, Brandon Carlton, a former Pittsburgh Steeler practice squad, practice squad, uh, squad player. So he didn't actually play for the Steelers, I don't believe, but he was on the pra practice squad in 2005, which... I think it was the year before they won the championship, the first time with uh, Roethlisberger. So overall, I mean, the guy is definitely an athlete, but you look at the line here, minus 710 Hager, plus 465 Carlton. It's ballooned out of control. It actually opened at minus 300 uh, Hager and Carlton plus 240. So the line's out of control. It's unbettable at this point. It's dogger pass. I wouldn't even play this fight. Uh, I do believe Jake Hager probably wins. His wrestling should play pretty well here. I think takes the guy down, beats him up, but... Again, he's only got three fights. He had the one no contest. He hasn't fought in over a year now. Brandon Carlton, he's a big dude himself, 6'5". He is 40 years old, though, so that bothers me. Hager is a little bit younger at 38. Still two older guys. But, yeah, Brandon Carlton, looking at his record, guys, uh, 
Carlton, I should say, not Carlton, but Carlton, uh, only two fights, and he's 40 years old and just made his pro debut. What kind of sport is like MMA, right? Like these, <laughs> you make your pro debut, professional debut at age 40. There's no other sport like this. To be fair, this guy does have a few uh, amateur fights, including a fight against this guy named John Snowden, not the MMA journalist. I don't think it is anyways. And uh, he knocked them out. But yeah, two straight wins by knockout. But again, look at who he beat. A guy's 0-4 and a guy's 2-1. and one. This is an easy fight for Jay Hager. There's always the threat of a KO in a heavyweight fight, especially between two level two level guys. But overall, I mean, how do you go against Jake Hager here? He should win the fight, probably ground and pound this guy or submits him on the ground. So right now, there are no props. There might be some of the drop later this afternoon. I would be taking a look at Hager inside the distance because I do think he finishes this fight. But as far as the money line goes, I mean, minus 710, is a hefty price to pay in a heavyweight with two fights. So don't know if I would bet on that, but maybe if the submission prop is, is good or if there's a good value on the inside distance, you could think about playing him. Getting back to the card here, we'll go to the main card now. Veta Artiega against Desiree Yanez at 125. How weird is that two fighters with last name Yanez are both fighting this weekend? Adrian Yanez in UFC and Desiree Yanez in Bellator. That's so strange. I think they're the only fighters that uh, have that last name. Anyways, looking at the odds, minus 125 for Artiega, plus 105 for Yanez. It actually opened closer at uh, minus 150 for uh, Yanez, minus 149, I should say, and plus 120 for Ortega. So mine's kind of flipped. Ortega is the favorite now, which I agree with, by the way. I, I, I was surprised to see Yanez open as the favorite. You look at her record, 5-2, and two, call her Dirty Dez. I mean, <laughs> I don't know about that nickname, but, it's, uh, you know, 30 years old. She's a Texas-based fighter. You look at her resume, though, coming off a loss in Kombachi. So I think a lot of people were surprised she opened as a favorite just based on the fact she's coming off a loss. Um, never fought in Bellator either. She has fought in Kabachi and LFA, so at least a couple of decent promotions. Does have a few finishes in her resume, but overall, five and two record. Uh, and she's only been fighting a couple of years, not much experience. Look at Artiega here, five and four, uh, 32 years old. But to be fair to her, she only has four years of experience too, but she's been fighting mostly in Bellator the whole time. Only one fight outside of Bellator. So four and four, if you look at her Bellator run, sorry about that, four and four. And uh, she's coming off two straight losses. So I guess because she's lost two straight fights, the odds makers were like, all right, we'll open the other girl as the favorite. But you look at she lost to the champion, Alima Lane McFarlane, and Alejandra Lara, who's a really good fighter. So I, I think she was being uh, undervalued at the opening odds, and that's why it's flipped. So I agree with the line movement here. I do think Artiega should be favored. Not really a fight that fight that I would love to play by any means, but I think she wins this fight. So keep an eye out for that. I would have loved to – again, she would have been great to get as an underdog. Some of these lines, I, I don't think the odds makers open properly. Bellator is a little harder to cap, obviously, but – and it's just my opinion, obviously. But the fact these lines did flip, it does show that the odds makers probably blew a few of these lines here. Uh, Artiega should open as a small favorite. Either way, looks like she might close this one. I think she wins this fight, guys, but is this someone you want to lay money on? I'm not too sure. With a 4-4 four four record, it's pretty inconsistent. Two more fights left on this card. We'll go to the co-main event here. This is a great, really good fight. Henry Corrales against Brandon Gertz. He's moving down to 145. I like this fight a lot. Look at the odds for this. Corrales minus 300. Gertz plus 250. Let's go look at these guys. A big fan of Henry Corrales. 17-5 record in his career. 34 years old. Um, a little bit older of a fighter, but a guy who's fought in Belgium for a while. Now. He's been fighting since 2015. You look at his run. 5-5. Five and five. It's not a great record by any means, but you look who he lost to. Archuleta, Caldwell, Pitbull, Sanchez, Strauss. So like five of the top 10 guys in their division. So not bad losses by any means. And he has good wins. Aaron Pico knocked him out as a big underdog. Georgia Karakanya, a guy who I think is a really good fighter. It has been for a long time. Cody Bollinger, former UFC guy, tough fighter. Uh, Noah Lahat fought in the UFC. Andy Main, who I think was on Ultimate Fighter years ago. So he has some good wins, man, overall. Um, and he's been around for a while now, since 2011. So I, I am a fan of Henry O.K. Cross. I think he's a good fighter. 
Um, the odds here obviously have him at minus 300. So people know that he's probably going to win this fight. Despite the two straight losses, there is a lot of respect going on him. But I do think it's more about fading Gertz too a little bit. 16-9 record for Brandon Gertz. He's been in Belgium for a while, 35 years old, a little bit older one year. The problem with Brandon Gertz, look at his record. It's so inconsistent. In his last seven fights, two and five. He has uh, the win over Awad, which is okay. I don't know who this guy is, Luka Yelchik. Not too familiar with him. But to be fair to him, look who he lost to. Jury, Chandler, Campos, Gonzalez, Piccolotti. Not bad losses by any means. And you look through his resume. He's been Belcher for years. Uh, beat Campos, Gallard, a bunch of guys. He's been in Bellator since 2012. So he's been around forever. He's a guy that was one of the uh, original, like, Briard Rebney kind of guys. So uh, I respect Brandon Gertz. He's hung around Bellator for a long time. I don't like the matchup for him, though, especially at 145. I believe Corrales wins this fight. Probably grinds it out for a decision, but you never know. Uh, Corrales does have a little bit of sneaky KO power and p- could possibly get the stoppage here. But my money's on Corrales winning a decision here. I like Corrales quite a bit. Minus 300, obviously, it's not you know a cheap line by any means, but he should win this fight. So I expect him to be a pretty popular uh, target for, for people who want to make a parlay here. There's probably a couple of guys you can think about parlaying on this card, and I think Corrales probably is one of them. Because uh, I do think he should win this fight, I, and honestly, I, I capped him around like a little bit higher than this event, minus four hundred. I know he's coming off the losses, but stylistically, I like the fight for him. Finally, we will get to the main event of the evening. This is the crown jewel of the card. This is an incredible fight here that the poster here, Musasi Lima, middleweight world title. It's the vacant championship. Musasi, former champion, Douglas Lima, the welterweight champion, moving up to middleweight to take on Gegard Musasi. Incredible fight. If you have to watch one fight tonight, it's going to be this fight. Arguably, this is the best fight of the whole week. I think it's it's probably better than the Silver Hall fight. It probably is. So I'm very excited about this fight. Speaking of the odds, right now we have Gagard Musasi minus 175, Douglas Lima plus 155. And the odds actually open a little bit shorter. Musasi minus 137, Lima plus 110. You can check out all the opening odds at maodsburger.com. So some action is coming on Musasi. It's still a very competitive line. It's a very close fight. This is a tough fight to call. There's no doubt about it. Both guys are elite fighters in every possible way. Talk about Gagard Musasi here. You've got to love the dream catcher, man. You have to. 46, 7, and 2, 35 years old. A legend. An absolute legend. I remember watching this guy in Pride like 15 years ago. I mean, he's been fighting for a long time. You look at Gagard Musasi's record. It's it's incredible. Since 2003, he fought Too Hot to Handle. That's a Dutch promotion. And then he started making his name out there in kickboxing. Eventually made his way to Pride Bushido, where I, where I first saw him fight in Pride. Uh, after that, M1, Bodog. Dream, Dream was where Musasi became a real household name. And of course, Strike Force, where he had, well, this was a bad loss to the wall, but he had some nice wins in Strike Force too. Um, and then came to the UFC in 2013 after the fall of Strike Force, and he had some great wins there. Latifi, Munoz, Henderson, Costa, Philippu, Fear Belfer, Uri Hall, Chris Weidman. He had some great wins, and he looked like he was going to be on his way to a title shot. Musasi's an absolute beast. He did have a couple of losses. They wanted that back, obviously, like the Uri Hall fight, or he lost as a massive underdog. Jock Ray choked him with the first time, and, and Machida beat him the first time, although he just avenged that loss. But overall, I mean, you look at what he's did lately. He's won nine of his last ten fights. The one lost to Lovato Jr., a guy who was a very underrated fighter before he retired, a guy who unfortunately had to retire due to uh, some medical issues, but a great fighter in his own right. But, yeah, I mean, it's impressive what Musasi did. Beat Machida in his last fight, beat Roy McDonald, beat Carvalho, beat Shlomanko, Wyman Hall, Belfort. Tiago Santos, a guy I forgot to mention. Talos Leyes, former UFC challenger. So Musasi's a beast, and I love the guy, and he's been around for so long. But here's the thing. I love Douglas Lima, too, and he's so good. And he's 32-7 and seven in his career, 32 years old, a little bit younger, three years younger. American top 10 Atlanta guy. Both these guys are amazing. These, this is such a good fight. Uh, physically, I just wanted to compare that quickly. 
Douglasina is 6'1", 74.5 inch reach. And you look at Musasi, obviously the bigger man naturally, he is 6'2", 76. So slightly taller, slightly longer reach, but pretty comparable. Douglas Lima is a guy I have a lot of respect for. I remember watching him fight years ago. I haven't seen this fight, by the way. There's, it's on YouTube. You want to watch this one. Matt Brown against uh, Lima. He gets finished in that fight. That was like his first real uh, notable fight. But yeah, he ended up going to MFC, which is where I remember him from. So MFC, is a, it was a promotion in Canada. It was a really good promotion in Alberta. He had some nice wins here and ended up going to Bellator. He was the champion in MFC. He beat a couple of guys, uh, former UFC fighter Terry Martin here. And then he went to Bellator. He had some nice wins. I've seen him fight multiple times in person. Great fighter. Uh, over the years, man, he's a three-time champion in Bellator at welterweight. And you look at a lot of his wins, punches, but the kicks too. This fight was – this was a good fight. You go back and watch this one. Mikhail Tazar, I remember this one really vividly. He just kicked the hell out of this guy, just destroyed his legs. The Ben Saunders fight was an absolute just brutal knockout. Both of them actually were. Ben Saunders loved Ben Saunders too, but, man, those were some nasty knockouts. The Rick Hahn fight. Um, and, of course, you've got to look at the losses too. Ben Askren dominated him. That was in, uh, that was in Windsor, Ontario. I believe, or, or Sarnia. Yeah, Sarnia, Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. Bellator 264, Windsor, Ontario. Yeah, that was that was eight years ago. It's crazy. I used to work for the score, and I remember they had a bunch of us go out there. Um, Andre Korshkov dominated them, too, with the wrestling. But since then, he's really looked good. He's won six of his last seven fights. Beat Paul Daly. He beat Korshkov uh, both times, actually, in the rematch and the trilogy fight. So he pretty much proved he's a better fighter. The first time around, I think he was injured. But I remember being surprised by that because he kept being taken down. The first Roy McDonald fight, he got wrestled a bit. But since then, three straight wins. Korshkov, Page, destroyed Michael Page, and then beat Roy McDonald. The year-long layoff is something that obviously is concerned, although Musasi also has a layoff. I'm curious to hear what you guys think. I mean, if you want to throw a comment in there, I'm really curious to hear what people are thinking this fight. I was on James Lynch's show, my good friend, and he picked Musasi. I picked Lima on his show. I'm going to stick with Lima. I'm going to take Lewis Lima here to win a decision as an underdog here. I do think there's a small value in here because I think it's a pick-up fight. So a plus 155, I think you're getting a, a little bit of value on Douglas Lima, but it is a super close fight. Both guys are extremely talented fighters. It's hard to bet against elite guys like this, but when it's two elite guys against one another, someone has to win. And I do favor Douglas Lima. I think the kicks are going to be a huge problem for Musasi. Um, Musasi, he did an interview with James. He talked about how his training was uh, interrupted due to COVID and he wasn't training that hard. Then he started training hard again and then they switched the fight. It just sounded like, he had some issues with his training. And I don't know if that's even going to play a factor by any means, but it is worth noting. I'd go back and watch that interview if you want. But uh, Douglas Lima, man, I just I, I just like the momentum. I like the kicks. I, I like the takedown defense. I like everything about Douglas Lima. So overall, I do lean towards Douglas Lima. But again, it's an interesting fight. It's a close fight. It should be a really good one. I'm excited for this one. So it should be a great fight. Just getting back to the, uh, the odds here. Um, for this weekend's card. So myself and Cole Shell, we broke down the entire card on Tuesday. So I definitely recommend checking out the podcast on Tuesday if you missed it. Broke down all 12 fights on UFC card. But one fight did change last night. I do want to get to that. So unfortunately, we had an injury and it looks like one of the, well, Macklin Murdoff's out of the fight, unfortunately. So I'll pull it up here. UFC fight night. So instead of Murdoff, he's out of the fight. We have Charlie Antiveros against Kevin Holland now. And Let's just look at this fight. I mean, first off, I was going to pick Murdov. He had a nice win streak. I was really impressed by his win over Trevor Smith. I, I love Kevin Holland, but I would have picked Murdov. Having said that, you look at this fight. Kevin Holland, 19-5, trailblazer, 27 years old, middleweight fighter. He's great. You look at his UFC run. He's 6-2 and two in the UFC. He's great. And he's won three straight fights since the pandemic started. So, I mean, this is a guy who's taking advantage of his opportunities. This is his fourth fight in five months. 
Love that about this guy. He's always willing to fight. And I think that's why he'll be in the UFC roster for years. This is the guy who's fighting a short notice, guys. Charlie Ontiveros, the American bad boy, 11-6 record. That's not a good record. Now, he does have a few things to like about him here. 6'2", 76-inch reach. So he's a pretty big dude. But he is moving up from welterweight to middleweight. That's a knock against him. And then you look at his record and his two wins again in the UFC. I don't know who these guys are. Washington, Louise, and Derek Agaday. I don't think anyone knows who they are. This fight with Clovis Hancock. I recommend reading about this fight, guys. So I was reading, I was doing research on this dude yesterday. This he actually knocked him out with a kick and, and the guy's heart stopped. The guy, this guy, Clovis Hancock, actually uh I think legally died in the octagon, but was revived by the doctors later on. So this guy's heart, he kicked him so hard his heart stopped, which is insane, right? So incredible knockout there. But overall, I mean, you look at this guy's record, he's fought nobodies and he's been finished six times. The only guy he's fought. Two guys that he's fought, or Michael Page and Jeff Neal, and he got finished by both of them. Those are the only noble fighters he's fought. He's been knocked out six times. He is a legacy guy. I think he's just a guy that Nick Maynard must know from years ago who must like him. But, man, I cannot pick this guy, guys. Six knockout losses. Are you kidding me here? This is what I do remember. Uh, Michael Page against him. He got destroyed in that fight. I can't pick this guy. I think Kevin Holland wins for sure. Kevin Holland should knock this guy out. Probably wins in the first round. Kevin Holland... I was reading on Twitter. He's 8,200 at the sport at uh, DFS on DraftKings. He's going to be in everyone's lineup this weekend. So I think at this point, if you want to win your, your card in DraftKings, you're probably going to have to put Kevin Holland on your team. He should win that fight. Let me get a comment here from Chris Walker that, uh, no, that Muradov fight was going to be good. Dude, I was excited for it too. And like I said, I was going to pick Muradov as an underdog. And he's plus 130. Cole's here. Hey, Cole. Yanez just announced her fire against Ortega is canceled due to Ortega testing positive for COVID-19. Dang, damn, that's terrible. That's not good at all. So the card obviously is down another fight. I guess they'll put the Jake Hager fight on, on the main card. I'm surprised it's not already. But, yeah, I mean, again, that wasn't a fight I was too excited about betting by any means. But that's disappointing for sure for Bellator. And you got to feel bad for the opponent there. She gets ready for the fight and then her opponent tests positive for COVID. But that's the world we live in. I mean, Justin Turner just tests positive in, in MLB. And, who knows what would happen if that series went to game seven, guys. I have no idea. Anyways, yeah, so as far as that fight goes, Kevin Holland, you know, I was talking to Cole last night about it when, when this uh, announcement happened. I capped him with about minus 400, minus 500. So that's what I put, I, I put Kevin Holland at. And I expect him to open and run that mark. I don't see any way this Charlie Antiveros guy wins. I know he's got some KO power, obviously, but, you know, Kevin Holland's a very durable guy and I expect him to get finished in this fight. Uh, finish the fight, I should say, against Antiveros. Now, I want to get go to bjpen.com because there is a lot of news to talk about. And we're gonna I'm gonna go to yesterday's news because obviously there's a lot that happened. So we're gonna get down here. The one thing I want to mention is the rankings. And again, rankings aren't you know super important by any means. They don't mean they shouldn't mean that much, but they do. They actually do mean something because they end up they don't matter when the UFC's booking fights. So when people say like the rankings don't matter, it doesn't matter. It does actually, guys. It actually does matter because you look at the fight with Leon Edwards and Kamayev, so the rankings do matter. Now, here's what I want to talk about. John Jones calls the new UFC power round rankings number one bullshit because Habib Nurmagomedov is number one now. So you look at the UFC rankings. I'll go back to BJ in a second here. Um, go to UFC rankings here. Pound for pound. Habib, number one. John Jones, number two now. So interesting you look at some other movement here we had uh Corey Hall and Jan moved up gave you moved down because he lost the number one guy I don't, I don't know about that but either way it's definitely controversial there's no doubt about it John Jones not happy about it it is what it is 
I, I would still keep Jones at one. But here's the thing, like, Habib's recent win streak is so impressive. Connor, Gaethje, and Poirier by submission. Whereas Jones has won three straight decisions over Reyes, Santos, and uh, Smith. So I can see why people are kind of favoring him a little bit, Khabib, right now. But I, I still think John Jones is the best ever. And that's a whole other discussion. But, you know, some of the other movement here, we had Murad move up, Stamey moved down. I guess because Stamey pulled out with an injury his last fight. It's kind of weird. Costa moved up, Kanyer moved down one, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know about that either. I, I, I don't understand the whole ranking sometimes. And then there's some movement here in the headweight division. Volkov moved up, which I agree with, over JDS, who's kind of on the downside. I mean, this division, wow. You have a guy like Sakai. Shamil Akdurahimov and Sakai ranked number eight. Wow. This division is so weak sometimes. You would hope that a guy like Cyril Gon can really make that step up, or Pavlovich, someone like that can really make a step up. Because right now it's about top five guys, um, and uh, some other movement in the women's division. But overall, there was some movement. But the most notable one, obviously, is Khabib going number one at pound for pound. So it's something that I think a lot of people don't agree with, but it's something that you know you could argue about till the cows come home. And it's something that is it's you know ultimately the pound for pound thing is kind of dumb because we'll never see these guys fight each other except for in very rare cases where we do get a super fight like GSP versus Bisping. But overall, we don't see that happen. Um, looking at some other news here, uh, we have uh, Tony Ferguson. He says, uh, Cole did this article, believes he'll be fighting Poirier for the vacant lightweight title. That's interesting for sure. That'd be a great fight. To be honest with you, I'd rather see Ferguson and Poirier. I think they were the top two guys outside of Habib. I know Connor obviously is right there too. Let's be fair though. Connor's going to be the title shot. If he wants it, he'll get it. If the UFC wants Connor there, he'll get that fight. So I expect him to ask Connor. He'll probably fight Poirier if I had to guess, but I think this would be a better, better fight, to be honest with you. I think Ferguson, Poirier, and then you could have Connor against Gaethje in a little tournament. Chandler's right there, too. But Chandler, I love Michael Chandler. He needs to get a win in the UFC before he starts calling his shots, in my opinion. I love the guy, but he really does need to get his feet in the UFC. He never fought there. Corey Sandhagen, he hopes to be the backup for UFC 256. That's interesting. Uh, obviously, Peter Yan will be fighting Aldrin Sterling on that card. Co-main event, main events, Amanda against Megan Anderson in a bloodbath. We look at the odds for that uh, card, UFC 256. Nunez minus 880, Megan Anderson plus 590, and then Peter Yan minus 130, Sterling plus 110, so super close. And a bunch of other odds from that card actually just dropped this morning. The odds makers have been working hard. Uh, Gegard Busasi praised legend Anderson Silva. He said he's tarnished his legacy. So basically, Gegard said Anderson's one of the best, but he believes it because he held on too long at the end of his career. He does believe he's tarnished his legacy. And honestly, I, I agree with Gegard because if Anderson had retired when he was on a 65 win streak after the Bonner fight, in the UFC, or even after he had lost to Weidman, maybe the first time, or even the second time with the broken leg, I think his legacy would be remembered differently. But now he's a guy that's 45 years old. He's hanging on too long. And, you know, he might be in Bellator's team. He said there's no more UFC fights after this, and Dana White's confirmed that. But he also has said he's open to fighting again, depending on what happens in the Hall fight. So, you know, I love Anderson, but if he does win this fight, which I guess is possible, although I am picking Hall. If he does win this fight, I really hope Bellator doesn't even bother to sign him. I, I would like to see Anderson just step into coaching or something like that, or, or maybe some ambassador role in the UFC. But it is worth mentioning that Anderson Silva did an interview the other day, and he was talking about how the UFC's changed so much since the Fertitas left and since the new ownership took over. So it sounds like Anderson is kind of on the outs with the UFC, which is kind of interesting, actually. If I had to guess, if he does fight again, it will be for Bellator, but I really hope that he does hang him out because he's 45 years old. Look at some other news here. Uh, Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson is like one of my favorite baseball players, but it's, this is the one of the worst takes I've ever seen. Called Khabib Nurmagomedov, one of those boring fighters in the world. I love this interview; it was great with him and uh, Carlos Correa and Ariel. Great interview. I'm a huge Donaldson fan. He used to play for the Jays. He was uh, MVP in 2015. I have his jersey. I love the guy, but <laughs> obviously you can't agree with what he said here. It, it's 
people are calling him a casual. I don't agree with that, by the way. He's not a casual fan. Josh Donaldson's a hardcore MMA fan like us. He just doesn't like grappling. He's uh, really good friends with Stephen Thompson. Surprise, surprise. And uh, he's a guy who's been watching MMA for years. So a lot of actual uh, baseball players, they love it. I remember when he played for the Jays, a lot of those guys used to talk about, they used to watch the UFC fights every Saturday. So Donaldson's a great player in the MLB, but he probably should stick to his own space on this one because, man, you should have seen some of the comments. He got trashed. I'm going to mix it up here. I guess I'll throw some fight announcements in as well. This is a fight that's happening in February. It's a, it's a five-round uh, headliner, Dominic Reyes against Yuri Prochaska. I love this fight, guys. Such a great fight. And you look at uh, both guys, I mean, they're both incredible fighters. Obviously, Ray is coming off the loss to uh, Jan Blachowicz, but before that had that really razor-thin fight with John Jones. So a lot of us thought he won. And then Yuri Bajatsk coming off a brutal locker win over Volkan Uzdemir. We don't have odds for this yet. I expect them to be close, probably near a pick it's tough because Reyes has so much hype on him, but the two straight losses, I think some people are kind of a little bit down on him now, whereas Yuri coming off, uh, I think he's on like a 10-fight win streak all by knockout, I believe, from rising UFC now. So it's going to be a close odds, but if I had to guess, Yuri might be slightly favored. Maybe, maybe, but we'll see because he was, I think, the underdog against Volcan. I just think that win's going to give him a lot of uh, hype especially with Reyes losing his last fight by KO. So maybe close odds with a slating towards Pajaska, but it's a close fight. Honestly, I have no idea who wins. I have to think about it more. It can go either way. Um, let's see here. A lot of guys talked about the GOATs, GSP, Ferguson. Everyone's got their own opinion on it. It's something we're, we're talking about. This is interesting. Bellator, so a report came out the other night that they had finished their contract with a bunch of guys. And the guy who made the report, Jason Floyd, the guy who's one of the better Bellator reporters, I, I had messaged him and said, you know, is this confirmation these guys are released? He said, no, they're just out of contract. So keep that in mind when you're reading this report. Some of these guys were cut. Obviously, guys like Frank Mir, Warren Nelson, they're, they're cut. They're in their 40s. They're done with Bellator. But there's a lot of young guys like Chris Lencioni, for instance, a guy who's a really good fighter in Bellator, a young fighter. I, I know Cole, my co-host here, he had talked to Chris, and Chris said that he was in negotiation for a new contract. So take that report with a bit of a grain of salt, guys. You know, again, some of that stuff's accurate. Some of the guys were released, but a lot of these guys just, they ended their, their deals with Bellator and they're, they're re-upping with them. So not every fighter on that on that list is going to be cut from Bellator. Uh, let's see here. What else? The betting odds, we talked about that, obviously. Uh, Habib talked about Javier Mendez, which was uh, very emotional. You look at some of the other things here. Uh, Bellator, like I said, that one fight was scrapped. We already talked about this. This is interesting too. See, this is, this is someone I care about here. Randy Couture, he talks about John Jones. And he talked to uh, TMZ and he talked about John Jones and his GOAT status, and basically Randy said, if Jones wants to be the undisputed GOAT, he's, he's got to go up to heavyweight and win that title against Stipe, and uh, Randy also was quick to point out that Francis Ngannou is training at Extreme Couture, and he, and he, want, he believes Francis should be next, but he says Jones should fight the winner of that fight, which I think a lot of us agree with, and it's hard to disagree with Randy here. I mean, you talk about pound-for-pound pound greats, Randy's right there, and you talk about GOATs, Randy's right there, and that's the thing about the sport, and 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 uh, that's what Anderson Silva actually talked about this week. He basically said, Anderson said, there's a goat for every era. So there was a goat in the early days with Royce, and then there was Fedor, and there was like, he actually even said Max Sarah, but because of PJ Penn, John Jones, GSP, and now it's guys like Habib. So I agree with Anderson said there's a goat for every era of MMA because the sport's always evolving. It's such a new sport. People always in a rush to talk about the goat and the, and the pound for pound greatest and stuff, but it's such a new sport. So talking about the greatest of all time, it's not like it's hockey where you have 120 years of history or baseball where you have 120 years of history. You have only like 30 years of history with MMA. So talking about the goat, it changes all the time. And at one point, Randy Couture was the goat. So you can't forget that. Uh, I do agree with what Randy said, though. I think if Jones does win that second belt, He's, he, he, he proves without, without a doubt. And he basically says he raises any argument. 
Again, I, I personally consider Jones the best ever. He's the best I've ever seen. But there's obviously a lot of debate going on right now with other uh, fighters. Let me take some comments here from Kenshiro. Silva's like Garay Faber and all. They open a bunch of business, call it success because the cost remodeling got done. They forgot making a profit and forced to fight again. Yeah, you know, I think with Silva, I don't know if it's about the money, Kenshiro. He said it's, it's more about the pride. He wants to win. He wants to win a fight before he retires. He doesn't want to go off, off a loss. He did talk about that. Basically said, you know, after the Wyman fight, he kept losing. He just wanted to win a fight and then it's hard for him to win. He did win the Brunson fight, but again, that wasn't impressive at all. Says retired fighters should take the coaching or commentary. And Anderson's 45, and I, I, I would like to see him hang up his gloves. He also says Yuri will retire Reyes. I don't know about that. I mean, it's possible. If Yuri does go out there and knock a Reyes, you have to imagine he gets the next title shot against Jan, whoever. Boy, some other uh, news here. Robbie Lawler's out of the UFC 255 right with Mike Perry. Um, and now Perry wants Camp Kamayev, which I don't think is going to happen. It's unfortunate this didn't happen a few weeks ago because I think that would have been a good fight, good step up. But Kamayev fighting number three, I worked, so that fight's not going to happen. See, when this happened the other day, we were talking about Mike Perry and Lawler being scratched. We assumed the UFC was doing the right thing and saying, hey, you know, Mike, you can't fight right now because you have legal issues going on with domestic violence, but he's not fighting because Robbie Lawler is injured. So they'll probably find a replacement for him. Looking at the rankings, there's a couple of guys that stand out, but Neil Maggie would be the guy I, I think that stands out for a lot of people because he uh, he wants to fight soon and he just fought recently. So I think that's a fight they could make Maggie against uh, Mike Perry, or maybe they just save Perry and put him on a card later this year. Jennifer Maya talked about the fight with Valentina Shevchenko. She basically said she wants to be the Holly Holm uh, to Ronda Rousey of that fight, which I don't see happening. And actually, I was looking at the odds for that. They are absolutely insane right now. We have Shevchenko minus 1250, Maya plus 800. So, yeah, you can see what people are thinking about that fight. Um, let's see what else. This, this was interesting. I like this one. You guys should read this article. You listen to BJ. I love hearing uh, BJ get some respect there. you you got to love BJ. And BJ's right there. He's right there. So you got to love BJ Penn, guys. He is an absolute legend. And uh, he was one of the best. And, again, you know, newer fans look at his record. They're like, man, this guy sucks. He lost to Frankie Edgar three times. He got knocked out a bunch of his. And he lost to Clay Guida, for God's sakes. But you look at what BJ did in the 2000s, the, like, the late 90s. I mean, he was an absolute legend. So BJ's up there with the greatest ever as well. Uh, Chris Wyman talked a lot about uh, different fights. He basically said Brunson turned him down. He said they agreed to come out of the fight, but there were some issues with timing and stuff. So that fight's not happening now. Uh, Chris Wyman's a good fighter, good guy, but uh, you know the Brunson fight's the one he should be chasing. And it's a very reasonable fight. Two guys in the top. I think they're both in the top 10 right now. I, I mean, Wyman had the one win over Akhmedov. I don't know if he's really a top 10 guy, but that fight makes a lot more sense than Kamayev, which... Wow, that would have been such a bad fight for Chris, I think. You look at uh, Donald Trump, and he had some uh, interesting choice quotes last night about Joe Biden. Basically said, Joe, Sleepy Joe's got a bad chin. I'm not into the U.S. presidential election at all. Don't really care that much. I know that it does affect the world. I get that. But I'm my, my brain is very MMA-focused these days. But, of course, Donald Trump has a connection to the UFC. So it's worth talking about. Dana White, I think, was at this rally too in Arizona. So, you know, Dana's his, his boy. But basically said, he's like, me and Dana were talking and we both said Sleepy Joe can't take a punch, which I thought was hilarious. Like, the guy's 77 years old, for God's sakes. Uriah Hall was an interesting comment here. He had an interview with uh, the media, virtual media yesterday. It didn't go too well, I don't think. Um, there's a clip going around there. You can see it. He was asked a question that I don't want to criticize the reporter too much because he was probably a little bit nervous because Uriah Hall can be a little intimidating. But the question was not phrased very well. It was a very confusing question to answer. And Wahal's just like, I can't do this, man. I can't do this. This is so weird. You got to watch it. Guy, he's never been good with media, but I thought this was funny. I remember one time he went after me because I, I wrote an article. I can't remember what fight it was, but I said, you know, you should win this fight, but with some of his issues mentally in his fights where he makes mistakes, I don't know what that. And he goes like, 
are you saying I'm mentally challenged? I was like, no, no, that's not what I meant at all. And I remember that happened, but he's okay with that. You know, it's just, that's how Uriah Hall is. He's, he's a very prickly guy, but um, he's a good fighter, man. He's won three of his last four fights, so he's looking good. Talked about uh, Kevin Holland. And I talked about pretty much all this stuff. There's a little bit of extra news that I probably missed here. Not really, actually. There's a few fight announcers I want to get to, so I want to get to that. So let's get to some fight announcements right now. Go to Marcel's page. Gotta love Marcel. Oh, Ken Shiro's got her thing here. Got 700 on Trump to win, plus 175. Hope his odds go plus 200, another 500. Yeah, I saw the odds this morning, so... You know, I, I do. I don't mind betting on this stuff either because I remember Trump was a big underdog against Hillary Clinton. He was like a big underdog, if I'm mistaken, and he won that. Um, I remember when Justin Trudeau won against Stephen Harper. He was an underdog, so there is some value to be had. I think the limits are like 100 bucks or something, right? So this, it's not high limits, but you want to have some fun. November third, guys, throw a few bucks on that if you want. Um, Sleepy Joe, right now, <laughs> minus one. I think he was minus 145 this morning when I saw him, plus 125 for Trump. Kenshiro thinks the line's going to get wider on Trump. I don't know about that. I think it's going to be pretty tight. See, this is the one I care about, guys. If you can make money on it, I care about it. Anyways, let's get to some fight announcements here. So, already talked about this one. This is Marcel's page, obviously. Talked about that fight. Here's a good fight. Billy Quarantillo against Gavin Tucker. Gotta love these guys, man. Quarantillo, so exciting. Coming off a bunch of wins. Gavin Tucker's coming off a nice win in his last fight. So, you know, these guys over Justin James dominated him. So, I mean, both these guys are impressive young fighters, but... Quarantillo, that long win streak, I think he's got like a what eight, nine fight win streak right now. He's looking incredible. You've got to go with Billy Quarantillo here, man. I think just overall a little bit more well-rounded, but you know, Tucker looked great in his last fight. What else have we got here? Brian Barberina against Daniel Rodriguez. This is a great fight at Welterweight. Awesome fight. Barberina coming off that win in his last fight over uh, Anthony Ivy, and then Rodriguez has won. I think all his fights in the UFC. Dwight Grant, Tim Means, Dave Green, he's been impressive. You've got to go with Daniel Rodriguez here. I'm curious to see what the odds are. Did it drop yet? Let me take a look. No odds. No odds yet, but I do like him quite a bit in that fight. Dan Rodriguez. Another really good fight. Hayoni Barcelos against Kalita and Barcelos filling in for Jack Shore. That's too bad. That would be a good fight. I'm super high on Barcelos, but he's incredible. Gutierrez, Moffitt. Sorry, you know what I'm made of. Kalita has looked okay to you uh, at times. Coming off, he had that win over Boston Salmon, but a little bit inconsistent. I like Barcelos a lot. I think this guy is one of the more underrated guys. He's a little, I think he's in his 30s, so he's a little bit older, but he is a real good fighter, man. Seriously. Yeah, he's 85, so he's a little bit older than he's 35 years old, but he is a real good fighter. He should win this fight. JDS was gone. This is official now. We've talked about this. So we do have a date for it, UC 256. Let's see if there's odds out. Don't think there is, but let me take a look. No odds right now. I mean, this is going to be interesting because Gon's always a big favorite, but JDS is a legend and he's got to deserve some respect. He's higher ranked. You've got to go with Gon, though, I think. So Gon should probably be favored here. Um, but obviously, JDS has that KO power. And then these are fights we covered last week. So that's it for fight announcements. Let me get some. Oh, Kishore, what, what site do you use for, for your odds? Because at plus 175, and those are good odds. I just saw it on Twitter this morning. I didn't even. I didn't check the books yet, but I saw on Twitter use plus one twenty five. Curious to hear what book you use. And let me just let me go to uh, Odds Breaker. I gotta plug. I gotta plug the homepage, man. Let me plug this, guys. This is uh, it's the website memoryoddsbreaker.com. So right now, I'm gonna plug some stuff here. Obviously, the preview, which we're doing right now, and the betting odds for tonight's card. Definitely check that out if you want to look at the opening odds. I have my full written breakdown for Uriah Hall Anderson Silva. 
opening odds. And then we had a few other things at the podcast, the Cole and AJ had his podcast recapping last week's card. Brian's got some articles. So definitely check it out. Um, MAOddsbreaker.com, great website, great resource. Definitely check it out. And Ken Shores has uses sportbetting.eag. So I'll check, I'll check that out myself when we're, uh, <laughs> we're not in air. I'll take a look at that myself. Never heard of it, but I'll take a look. Um, so yeah, that's Oddsbreaker. And the other thing I want to mention, I, I got a new gig, guys. So I'm excited about that. Odds.com. We'll take a look at their website, odds.com. This is uh, the the, uh, the newest website I've just joined. I'm excited to join these guys. So they have a bunch of stuff in the UFC. They got this guy, Clint. He does their, their podcast, does a good job. And then they have their predictions and stuff. So I'm excited about this. James also works for the show, Al Mack. I'm excited to work for these guys. So that's going to be good. I'll be doing some writing for them and probably some podcasts as well. So I'm excited about doing that. Let's see here. Canadian site. Okay, sportsbetting.ag, really. Let me take a look at that, though. Sportsbetting.ag. Okay, I'll take a look at that. Uh, I don't know how I haven't heard of that. If I'm Canadian, but I believe you can share. I'll take a look at that. There's other books, though, obviously, I've used. But yeah, odds.com. I'm excited to join those guys as well, so it should be good. Anyways, any last second questions, throw them in here. But I think that's going to be it for today's podcast. Let me close that window there. Really appreciate you guys joining me, as always, breaking down Bellator 250. The other thing I was going to mention, Bellator is going to beat the UFC to Bellator 300. I know that UFC does all these fight nights that aren't numbered, but Bellator is going to get there first. They're going to do Bellator 300 before uh, UFC does UFC 300. Anyways, that's it for today's podcast, guys. I really appreciate you joining me as always. And I'll be back next Tuesday at 10 a.m. with Cole to break down UFC uh, Vegas. And also there's Contender Series starting next week too. So I'm really excited about that as well, guys. So should be good. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Martin Podcast. As always, available at MAOddsBreaker.com. It's on our YouTube channel. It's on the main site. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor. Anywhere you hear a podcast, you can find it. Also, check me out at BJPen.com, Odds.com, and MMARatings.net. Have a great day, guys. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights. I'll be back Tuesday, 10 a.m. Talk more. Bye.